Welcome, everyone, to another episode of After Further Review. Mark Ferreira, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor, our producer. Great show for you today. Got Sean Gavin of the Receiver School. We have Kendall Gammon, former NFL player and broadcaster for the Chiefs Radio Network, talking some great football stuff all day long as we inaugurate our first ever for the 2020 season. Fabulous, fun, family Friday football day. I can't wait. We're going to do our locks and shocks, too, which we've done for, I don't know, when did we start that, John? What year was that? 53. 53. 1953. We're talking 67 years, which means we're in our 68th season of of the uh, of the locks and shocks. We'll get to that as well. But before we go on, I'm, I trust you boys saw the game last night. I did. Yeah, you know, pretty fun. I was impressed with the Arrowhead crowd. There were 16,000 people, and it sounded like a full Arrowhead crowd. Then they didn't need to have a cheater dome to do it. Now, I have to assume, and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I do have to assume that they had those parabolic mi- uh, uh, microphones perhaps turned around towards the crowd a little bit more because the crowd noise was uh, loud for a, what, 20% capacity house 2025 percent capacity house just think those people in missouri uh can scream well i could hear them booing during the moment of uh get togetherness so that's i can certainly hear that part hey if uh, you're gonna protest expect uh to respect others protests yeah here's my thing though here's my thing you booed a moment of people coming together now, whatever you think about what the solutions to the problems are, I, I really do think you got to do a little self-reflection. If you want to, you know, boo at the Black Lives Matter thing or what, I think you're wrong, but that's okay, yeah. And I do respect it. I just think if you're booing people, all those people coming together for the reasons of equality, then, you know, honestly, really, that's, that's the hill you want to boo on? See what I did, Mark? <laughs> I don't know. Just that seems. I know. I mean, it is odd. That's that a little odd to me. That they but... didn't boo it kneeling. They booed it people yeah. locking arms. Maybe there was but a delay. Who knows? Maybe there was a delay. Who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, know. again, in this country, to Jeff's point, if, you know, everyone has their opinion. Right. Whether it's right or wrong. Now, you know my opinion on whether everyone has the right to their own opinion. You know you my feel, opinion. You on don't that. feel that way. You don't, I you, don't. You don't feel that way at all. But that's because I'm an American. I can have that opinion that your right. opinion doesn't matter. Well, I'm just going to say Unless this. there's facts behind it. And, I'm be, and in this case, this is just people. I don't know what you know what I think it is, John. I think it's the old trope that they just don't want any any politics in it. They don't want any okay. sort of they don't even want solidarity. In right. It. They don't Here's want any the expression of anything outside of kill, drive, deep, two points, pass, two, run. Two, two and a half, two and a run. Boy, the Kansas City Chiefs run. Oh, my God. There's a draft pick for you. Huh? Good Lord. We'll get to that in a minute. But just a couple of things for you. Just just I'm just going to lay this out. And I don't want to belabor this point at all. And I really don't. But um, if your whole thing is I don't want any politics in my sports, that ship sailed before you were born, dude. That ship sailed in 1947. In fact, it, for the decades before 1947, it's 
always going to be a part of it. You don't like it? Okay, I get it. But I don't boo every time the designated hitter comes up in the American League. And I I, I should. And I have equally as much of a right to do you that. You do. You do. And I, should, I would love to throw stuff at the designated hitter, but it is the way it is. So, okay, fine. Uh, I may I, – I reserve the right to boo – the first uh, regular 162 game season designated hitter in the National League. I'm I'm I'm, I'm thinking about how I'm going to approach that. Um, so that, that and you have the right to boo the booers, which you're right. doing right now. So that's that's one thing. But secondly, again, it's, they were just coming together as one to say we're we're all as one. And a, a, an ancillary point to that is there uh, there's about a solid point. Two 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 percent of those people who were booing would have the guts to do it in front of Patrick Mahomes' face. So, there, you know, that's that's kind of my thing on that, and no, and no more. I'm done. All right. All right. So, Jeff, uh, any thoughts <laughs> besides yeah, the one you initially said? Well, yeah, I do have some thoughts. First of all, uh, no, none of these guys are necessarily doing it in front of anybody else's face either. So that's that's sort of, uh, I guess, I guess it's what easy. Do to, what does that mean? No, no, Patrick Mahomes isn't coming up to my face and saying, lives uh, matter. You think he wouldn't? You think for one minute Patrick Mahomes wouldn't walk up to you and say, you know, we're working for social justice? Well, yeah, if he came up and said, we're working for social justice, that would be and cool. Black Lives Matter. If he, if he, if he came up to me and kneel, knelt in front of me uh, uh, during the national anthem, I might have something. That's to not say. when they booed. They booed when they were putting their arms together in a show of togetherness. Yeah, but, Don't change the subject. Well, that's, that's changing the subject. Because no, it's the not. Subject, yes, no. it is. The subject no, matter has no, been no. subject Moving matter. on. Let's move on. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm Hang not going to do it. He, he deserves his, his point, John. No, okay. no. No, you brought it up. He he deserves right. to say it, I, even, right. if you, even if it bothers yeah. you. Go ahead. Well, just the re- the reality of it is, is that I, I completely agree with you that you should never boo a moment of silence. Like if people would have been booing during the moments of silence for September 11th today, that would have really bothered me. But... That is, they are coming together for 9-11. What people see now with the football and the basketball protests are everything that's been up to this point is all, that's all the same thing to the people that are looking at this. So the message from the beginning was I'm going to kneel during the national anthem because this is a country that was built on racism. There still is systemic racism. A lot of people don't agree with that and they definitely don't want to have it shoved down their throat every time they try to watch football. They so, sit with their arms together but in a that, show of unity. But that's the thing, John. That's just a part of this entire argument. So, so they. So, in other words, they can't. No one can win, even if, even if it's, even if it's, even if they say, you know what, we're going to do to to protest systemic racism in this country. We're going to put our hands over our hearts and sing the national anthem, and then salute, and then run around the stadium with a flag to protest systemic racism. Would that get booed? I don't that because it's aligned now, with everything else we've been talking now, about. Yes, now it probably would. Any well, and do you see the ridiculousness of that? No, I don't. I don't see if, the ridiculousness. Okay, okay. That's you see, it doesn't matter because it's all about owning the other side. It's all about, it's all about that everything is an equal and opposite thing. Every moment of action has an equal opposite reaction, and it's not equal. If you are people coming together in a country that is divided, you are part of the problem. Let me put that back on you then. Okay, so what you're saying then is that because 100 years ago there was slavery, 
and now that there isn't slavery anymore and that see, things seem to be pretty good in this country, now is the point when they are starting to protest all of this stuff. No, that's, that's so different. It's, no, it's, no, it's, no. It's, the whole, it's everything that's come up to this that they're protesting now. So everything that's, that's built into the cake is what those fans were protesting last night. I, I agree with them. You Okay. Well, the thing is, is clearly it's not uh, things are nowhere near as easy as they are for you and me and John, Jeff, as it is for a black man in this country. And that's that's a that's just a matter of fact. I, I, of I, I don't know that that's the case. That's, I, I, I don't know it either. I'm just with someone who doesn't accept that there is white privilege in this country. I don't accept that, John. Okay. I don't. All right, then then there's no reason for you and I to have a discussion. You and Mark can discuss it all you want. Yeah, and, but and I said, and just as Mark has said, you're not entitled to your opinion on certain facts. I will not discuss these issues with somebody who simply doesn't believe that there is a level of white privilege in this country. I just, I can't. That is like that is like saying the sun sets I mean, in let me, the... Let, let, me, let me say this, since you're making that point. Can you point to one thing that is systemically racist in this country that is racist against people of color? Because yeah. I... I can't. Yeah. You get pulled over for being black, Jeff. That's a fact. That's I, a fact. It's I, I don't know that that's a fact. Jeff, I've been pulled over. Jeff, I'm that's because black. you haven't lived as a black man. I have yet. been pulled over. I'm not black. You I have been pulled over as well, but you haven't been pulled over just because you're driving an expensive car in an expensive neighborhood and you're black. And that happens. That's a, that's a matter of record. That's well, a matter of record. That's a matter Johnny of record. Johnny Cochran, I just saw this on the OJ show the other day. Johnny Cochran in 1982 with his two young girls in the back as the assistant district attorney pulled over. Gun, uh, cop pulls his gun out. Johnny Cochran shows him all his paperwork, and he still asks him to get out of the car. Johnny Cochran at that point said, why, officer? I hear this all the time. I'm a black man. You know, he he obviously didn't comply perfectly by that point, and he got and he put he put handcuffs on him. That is f- fucking bullshit. Sorry, and that happens. You know what? I guess I guess I guess that you can take Johnny Cochran's word for the fact that he's not race baiting when he tells that story and he's told it exactly the way it came from you didn't hear the police officer side of that story that's the fact of the matter is that you can say that there's systemic racism all you want but the only systemic racism that i can point to which is actually on the books which is a law is affirmative action is the only one that is systemically racist so until you can point at a law that is systemic and racist I don't think that you can say that there is systemic racism. Okay. We'll okay. leave it at that. I fervently disagree. I and think that's the facts disagree with you. I think that uh, the cultural experience of black men in this country uh, disagree with you. I think uh, I, I couldn't disagree with you more, but we don't have time to, to just go in a circle which we, is what we're going to do here. Okay. So let's move on to our progressive trivia before we get to our fabulous football fun Friday. Unfortunately, I still still need you to to give me a moment on the progressive. I literally am just now getting it up. Okay. Wow. I thought I thought that entire argument was give was we were it was vamping. That's all that was. I know. I sent you I sent you a a message that said I'll let you know when the progressive is ready. But we were we were were in the middle of a of a passionate discussion. So that that takes that takes precedent on the friggin' progressive trivia. Anyway, have you have you received it yet? I have. I have. It's it's opening now. I had to I had to use the unfortunate Microsoft Outlook to get it. So uh, that took some time and. 
I got to be honest with you. Technically, I'm crashing and burning right now, but we would never, we would never know if, uh, if, if uh, we didn't need to see this progressive trivia as we speak. But wow. I'm gonna, I'll let you know as soon as it's ready. Progressive trivia ruins everything. I know. I think I it think really it does. does. There's no win for us with Production it. Production values ruin but everything. But progressive trivia, people get it early. We're angry. If if they get it too late, then we've made too difficult one. I mean, it is progressive trivia, is a, and we have nothing to give them. There's it is a lose lose. It's really a lose lose. It is a lose lose on it's every it's level for this show. And why exactly absolutely perfect for this every show. decision we make eventually goes goes against our interests. We did a commercial and the parent just shows up on, on, on the on the internet machine yesterday. And I was just like I was shocked. I, you know what actually happened? I get a uh, I get a message because we did put together for people who may be listening and don't know we have we have a little uh, we have a fun little commercial type thing. We have and we have an election commercial that we, we have an election commercial. You can find out if it's political or not by watching it. Absolutely. Um, but we we'd finally seen the last uh, the, the final version of it. And then it, uh, I, I was it, I was told that our uh, our esteemed director, editor slash, I don't know, the person who did all the work producer. Yes. Jerry, Jerry um, was going to render it into hot HD, which I don't even really know what that means, clearly. And uh, and then we'd be free to put it out on the uh, on, on, on the interwebs thing. And uh, so. I didn't know that that we were free to do that. Apparently that was only going to take, you know, 45 minutes for him to do that. I thought, you know, to me, that sounds like a several day process requiring multiple computers and perhaps several Zoom meetings with other people. But apparently that's not the case. So I get a message yesterday from Joe Conley, longtime listener and uh, a a big part of our uh, listening audience. He literally responded to the video seconds after. Yeah, he's like, hey, man, great video. And I'm like. First of all, I didn't know what he was talking about because I'm old and confused and, and I often don't know what people are talking about. But then I was like, I went on and there it was. So I was happy that it was uh, that it was out there, but I was so confused by it all. Just things I, happen I, under my nose. I don't know anything. Well, about. it's it's just it's just funny. It is funny because you eschew all of that promotional stuff. You oh, don't I want anything to do with it. No, 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 no. no. And then you I had to, yes. had to get wild horses to drag you to even record this thing. So yeah, you wanted me to do like a final segment, and I just refused. I'm just like, no, we've done it. I was Sinatra. You asked me to write three. I wrote three. We're done. Let's have a steam, boys. That's great stuff. All right. So what else are we going to talk about today? We are going to give our locks and shocks. We are going to talk a little NBA. Let's quickly jump to that. Is anyone concerned? I'm actually hearing this right now because the Lakers were cruising for three and a half quarters, maybe three quarters and three fourths of a quarter. And then they sort of semi let the Rockets back in the game at the very end, even though they won by 10. They it, they were always in control. And you know, you know, LeBron misses a few in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's the same. It doesn't talk about a lose lose with some people. LeBron James cannot win if he wins the championship. Well, first of all, I think L.A. versus L.A. in the in the conference finals is going to be the championship. Who's kidding who? And that's going to be a great thing, because if Kawhi ends up winning it, he will be the first player to ever win a championship with three different teams. Yeah. And again, so will LeBron if he wins it. Right. So I, there's going to be so much great stuff coming up. But I can't believe the man. Well, he can't do anything right in some people's me, minds. Let me just answer your question. I'm not concerned at all about uh, 
the Lakers. I think both, uh, I think what we've seen from both the Rockets and the Nuggets, and the Nuggets are a really good young team. Um, and I didn't know a lot about them, but watching them play, I just think that they've run out of gas at this point, And I don't see any way that either of those teams win. And I think the small ball thing that Houston is doing, it's just not a good matchup. And once again, James Harden has a like two for 11 night and uh, his struggles in big games. Uh, and are, same with Russell Westbrook is not, yeah. neither yeah. one of those guys are playoff trustworthy. They're not trustworthy in the playoffs. I and, don't worry about it. And neither I, is Mike D'Antoni. Oh, by the way, I think he's true. the ultimate culprit here. Perhaps. But I, I mean, I just, I don't feel that uh, either of those teams are in it. I, I, you know, I guess there's a, maybe there's a motivational factor in, in worrying about uh, playing poorly towards the end or slowing down, taking your foot off the pedal. Uh, jumping back to last night's game, if you saw the, uh, the press conference with Tyron, uh, Tyron Matthew, the, uh, the honey badger, um, that defense had played great all night. They gave up a couple of garbage touchdowns late, some garbage points late, and he was frustrated about that. First of all, two different, completely different sports, basketball and football in that respect. Everybody makes a run in the NBA at some point, whether be it in the second, third, or fourth quarter, whatever. Um, but I, I, I really see no scenario where I think that the Lakers are in any trouble. That's not saying I think that they're necessarily going to beat the Clippers, but I think they're, they'll be in the Western Conference Final along with the Clippers. And That's you're right, it's flat. probably the de facto championship because I certainly don't see the Heat, the Raptors, or the Celtics as favorites against either of those teams. I don't either, and uh, especially because – you know, one of those guys is considered by some a great head coach and is really just a mediocre head coach. So uh, I I love the Raptors Celtics getting to seven games. That's an exciting series, but I don't think anything's going to touch L.A. L.A. I yeah. mean, that's going to be epic. Yeah, I, that's just going to be epic because Kawhi is playoff trustworthy. Yeah. LeBron is playoff trustworthy. He went to eight straight finals for crying out loud. Right. So it's a no, lot of fun. All right. It's a great one. Can I just jump back before we move on to the thing? And I don't know what, but uh, the Celtics Raptors, I honestly have absolutely no opinion on who I think is going to win that game. I you can want find nothing. You want the Clippers. You're, you're rooting for the Clippers because they're the underdog. No, Celtics Raptors. Oh, so I'm sorry. Okay. Celtics Raptors. Yeah. I don't have an opinion on that either, to tell I, you the truth. I, honestly, who, Jeff? Any, I mean, I really don't have a feeling where I can argue, I can argue either both sides or no sides. I uh, the only argument I have coming out of the Raptors Celtics series is uh, is Kawhi as good as we think he is? I mean that's the Raptors team that he was on. They added nobody for the most part, and uh, they they look they look pretty good without him. Well, it's gonna be fun. I'm rooting for the Celtics there. I'm rooting for the Lakers. I, I'm rooting for a Lakers Celtics final. I don't know if it'll happen, but right. Uh, I like Celtics Clippers because I picked the Clippers in the beginning, and I you know like opinions in this country political opinions you <laughs> hold on to yours until right. you until you can't until you're in such a corner you have to say yes okay this opinion is wrong but until that day yeah, until that moment yeah even if the lakers beat the clippers you'll still doesn't matter clippers still better right exactly <laughs> it's all right let's go to the Disney people <laughs> it's a big football show it's football friday fabulous fun Woo-hoo! you made your point <laughs> Funny, I don't know. It's one of those. So we're doing a football progressive. First set of clues coming up. I've led the league in receptions. I have done that. Four plus Pro Bowls, meaning four or more. Played for six head coaches. Ten plus playoff games, meaning ten or more 
playoff catches in a single game. That's a good playoff performance. That's uh, that's your first four clues, gents and ladies and ladies and others who may be listening. All right. Wow. That's interesting. All right. So why don't we right now go to our uh, first big interview? It's with Sean Gavin, who runs uh, a uh, runs the receiver school. You can follow it on Instagram. You can follow it on Facebook. He has a YouTube channel as well. You can follow it on Twitter. And it is a fascinating concept. And it is fascinating to hear about how he started it and and what it's all about. Let's go to the videotape. So, Sean, how did this idea originate? We interviewed uh, Derek Abbott on Monday about his quarterback school, and he gave you all kinds of props and all kinds of love for starting this whole thing, starting this whole concept. Was it back at Robert Morris? Or where was the, uh, you know, the genesis of this idea? How did that all happen? Right. So it was actually two years removed from Robert Morris. So um, graduated. No credit to Robert Morris at all is what we're saying. No, besides the football background, they they tie into this somehow. But, um, you know, I graduated, um, got a desk job. And, you know, when you go from full-time athlete, to sitting at a desk all day, every day. It's, uh, it's pretty brutal. So, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what I could possibly do moving forward, what I'm really passionate about, what I could wake up every day and say, Hey, I can't wait to do this. Um, so at the time I got a new job in LA, moved to LA from Pittsburgh and it was the beginning of 2018. I was just sitting there trying to figure out what I'm good at, what I could do. And at the time I was following a lot of basketball trainers, um, not coaches for teams, just guys that they're, they're their own business and they, they travel around, they train, uh, NBA college guys and, you know, me kind of piecing together what I can maybe do. I thought, okay, I could do that on the football side where, you know, I'm on, I'm my own business. I can train college NFL guys. And, just, you know, I was just trying to figure out what to do. So, um, you know, me with the graphic design background, I started brainstorming, uh, coming up with, uh, names, you know, receiver guru, what, what am I going to name this thing? And then I, I landed on receiver school and, um, I could not believe that it was available on, you know, the domain, the, the, the Twitter, it, I was, I was blown away that it was available. Um, so then, you know, as soon as I got receiver school, my mind starts racing, uh, DB school, quarterback school, I can do this, that. Um, so, so re- really that's just, that's how it started that uh, one day, um, in the apartment in LA, I just decided I was going to try out this football training thing and started the page and started putting out content. And, um, it just started going crazy on the internet, people reaching out to me. Um, and that's kind of how, how it got started. And it's, I've, I've been doing this for about two and a half years now. And you've got 40,000 plus followers. Is that right? Do I understand that correctly? Um, Twitter, I believe is 48 and Instagram's uh, 118,000. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, you know, that, that is crazy. Old, and yeah. have you gotten responses from all types, uh, amateurs, uh, folks that are trying to get better, maybe that are either in high school or college? I mean, do you get any pro response at all? How's it, how's it going? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the full spectrum. So, I mean, I have a good amount of NFL guys that follow NFL coaches. Um, I've done some interviews with two NFL coaches, um, 
all the college guys, even college coaches. And, and it's funny, you know, when I first started, I wasn't expecting it to be this, but you know, I have college coaches reaching out to me, asking me questions or, you know, just telling me how much they appreciate the page. They use my drills and stuff like that. And then, you know, of, of course the elementary school, the, the parents, the, the high school kids. So it's really everywhere. I mean, we, I have, um, Odell follows Stefan Diggs follows Danny Amendola's mom. It's a new, I mean, it's okay. So, so if I can stop you there, Stefan Diggs follows you. Yeah. So ostensibly Stefan Diggs is taking receiver content and instruction and tips from you. Is that, is that right? Is that my understanding? And if that's the case, how does that, you know, how, how, how does that work? You're, your, your level of confidence or your level of knowledge must be, you know, pretty amazing. Uh, I sure hope so. But I mean, unless he just likes the content I put out, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's highlights, it's my personal training sessions. I, I do camps, virtual sessions. So it's kind of everywhere. So I, you know, him seeing tags from me posting his content. So somehow he saw it. And a lot of these, you know, big time guys follow it. it it's pretty cool. And I, and I'm trying to, get to where I can, you know, get to know those guys on a personal level and right. train them and stuff like that. So, you know, That's we're, amazing. we're kind so of just getting started. When coaches call you, you said you've had some interviews or whatever. Ha, ha, what kind of conversations are those? Do they ask you for additional drills that maybe they haven't done? Or do they seek out your advice in terms of maybe a fuller training program for their receiver mm-hmm. core? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely some drill stuff. Uh, and, and all these guys, I mean, it, it's a wide receiver is like a family. So, you know, there's new people coming out with different content drills. So, you know, I've had some um, guys at division one level ask me, you know, what do you think of this drill? Do you have any drills you do for, you know, speed cut or, or anything like that catching drills? Um, and then interview wise, um, I had the opportunity to interview Mike Furry. Um, Chicago Bears receiver coach and Phil McGagan with the Chargers. And that was just me, you know, me interviewing them, getting to know them and sure. how they operate so I can learn from them. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, it's really everywhere. I mean, people I ask can me imagine you've learned an awful lot in the last two and a half years as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Cause when I first started, I was like, you know, I, I, I played at the FCS level. I, I know it pretty good. I mean, how hard could this be? And then when I first started, it was like, wow, I, I really don't know as much as I thought I did. You know, especially now that I'm the coach, you know, I, I could do all this stuff and I'm going back watching my film and I'm like, how did I do that? Or what do I even call that? So, I, you know, over the past two years, I, I've learned a lot of stuff and, and I realize I'm nowhere near where I need to be. It's, and yeah, is you hope to have this be basically your full time gig at some point as soon as possible. As soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the day I can make it full time, I'm pulling the trigger. Now, where are you? Are you in LA still at the moment? No, I'm in Tampa, Florida. So uh, Pittsburgh, and then I lived in LA for a year, and then we moved to Tampa, Florida. So, all right, last so couple years have been crazy. Have you have you checked out the NFL this year? Do you have a good idea of the receivers, at least on the roster right now, going to start either tonight or uh, actually uh, last night, I should say, or in two days from now? Do you have a pretty good idea of who's out there and who will likely contribute more than others? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly studying. I mean, you, you never know what can happen. Guys can get hurt, you know, right. have bad seasons, but 
I mean, you got so many good guys. I mean, Michael Thomas, you know, I expect him to have a, another great year. He's going to have a big uh, year now that Sanders is there with him, right? It's going to be, it's going to make him even more deadly, right? Right. And then, you know, you got Hopkins. He's with the Cardinals now with Fitz. So it's like, you know, what's he going to do? Um, Muhammad Sanu left the Falcons. So, you know, Julio and Calvin Ridley, what's, what's Julio going to do? Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen just got his big deal. So, I mean, I, I can't wait to watch football again. I, I, I don't even know. Like, people always ask me, well, who are your favorite receivers? I, I really don't. Have, there's so many guys that I enjoy watching. So, I, you know, hopefully no one gets hurt. I expect a big year from a lot of guys. Mike Evans, too. Tampa, Tampa guy. Him with yeah, Brady no now, doubt. Hopefully. No doubt yeah. there should be a lot of big years out of the Tampa receivers. At least yeah. that's what we all think at the moment. Yeah. Sure, uh, what so. about tight ends? Do you coach them up too, or is that a whole different skill set? Um, actually, in terms have, of the receiving end of of that job, yeah, I mean it's it's very similar in, in a way, but um, no, I, I haven't done any tight ends. I have not, but I, you know, I could if I wanted to. Um, I could do that. I could do, I could do DB stuff too. But that that was the whole reason why I wanted to have these other channels, you know, because I, I want to focus specifically on receiver school and that's that's enough work so me trying to balance dbs quarterbacks tight ends i mean i have a paid for everything we have running back school i do have a tight end school so wow once i find coaches for you know those positions we're we're gonna have it all so, okay so that's great so not you don't you have a coach for the quarterback school obviously with Derek. yeah Derek. Mm-hmm. and do you have a coach for so you don't have a coach for all the other positions you just have the pages that you got you made sure you lock those down <laughs> Right. right with the domain name and the IG and all that good stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. So yeah. So DB school. I'm trying to figure out um, Marcellus Branch. He actually played with me and Derek at Robert Morris. He went to the Falcons um, the year after they lost the Super Bowl. He was with them, the Steelers, and he was just with the Vipers. So uh, I'm trying to get him on board. He's you know he, he's pretty busy right now. He, he contributes a little bit. Um, and then you know one of my best friends. He plays for the Bears. He's a tight end. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get him on board when, when he's done playing. So I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it, a, you know, all, all my friends and people I know. And, um, recently I brought on, um, a friend of Derek and mine, Dwayne Mitchell, who played at Robert Morris with us as well. He's running uh, receiver school, Arizona for me. So I, I recently went out to Tempe, did a camp. He came by, helped out with the camp. And he was like, man, I, I, I love doing this. I said, Hey, well, you know, I'm East coast, you're West coast. Let's make it happen. So He's now on board, so now there's there's two of us at the receiver position. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you got a you you yeah. got a receiver school Arizona, yep. and then receiver yep. school the rest of the U.S. Essentially, is <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So that that one will be wherever he's located. So he's in the military. He might bounce around. So that might right. change the receiver school. Uh, you know, it's where he goes next. But that well, uh, it's exciting to hear about this. Um, and you know, you're doing all this in your in your part time. You have a full time mm-hmm. gig at the moment. Right. And you're doing this on top of that, and you've still managed to grow it this mm-hmm. much. It's that's it's pretty impressive. So tell us your philosophy in terms of just getting something like this off the ground. The kind of focus, the kind of entrepreneurial spirit you have to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've invented this thing out of the dust, Sean. Right. And now yeah. it is what it is. Tell us what it takes to be that guy or or, or to be that person, to be able to kind of accomplish that dedication consistency and then obviously finding your passion like i mean it's the you know 
the corny thing to say, but once you find that thing that, you know, it doesn't feel like work to me, it was like the first time I've ever experienced that. And, um, getting it off the ground was actually kind of easy for me because in 2012, I actually started a hip hop blog. So that was kind of my first, um, baby, my first thing that I started on social media. And I still to this day, I kind of do, but not as much, but, um, I ran a hip hop blog. So every single day from 2012 to 2018, I covered the newest music that came out every day. And you can imagine that's hundreds of songs. I'm, I'm yeah. growing social media accounts. So, so that actually prepped me for receiver school and that in receiver school, me, I only post, you know, once or twice a day. So that's much easier. And I kind of understood how social media works, what to post, what not to post, how to interact with engagement. Um, so you learned all so, that then you really got, you, you really got a muscle memory going with that. Yeah. Six years, six years of, of all day, every day, like in between practices, going to classes at how to build a website. And I was in design school. So really the, the hip hop music, the two blogs really is what kind of built, you know, what I was able to do. So you were kind of ready to dive off right off the bat because of the experience you had with that blog, with, with, uh, yeah. your background at school. Did you get, is that what your degree is in from Robert Morris? Yeah. Yeah. Graphic design. Yeah. Well, so go ahead know, and, when I first go ahead and let's get a big, good look at your shirt right now. Let's, let's get it <laughs> better in the, there you go. There it is. There you go. Receiver school. Yeah. That's so, outstanding, man. It, it is, uh, it is really a pleasure to, uh, to talk to you and to, to understand how, you know, you're able to do something like this. It's such a good example of if you want something, you're passionate enough about it. You, to your point, it doesn't even yeah. feel like work. So the quote unquote dedication, the quote mm-hmm. unquote commitment is just <laughs> getting out of bed to your point. This is just right. what you want to do. And to find that, to think about that. I mean, you, you, you talk about how much you thought about that after school mm-hmm. going, I, this, this, this nine to five thing is not what I'm used to. Not for me. What can I do? And and what was that like? How how long did that take again? Uh, refresh us from the time you started the your desk job to the time you th- said, "Okay, I'm starting this. I'm going to get All a right. domain name that day." From the time you thought I need to do something else besides a desk job to the time you said, "Let's do this. Get a domain name." How long did that take? Two years. So I okay. graduated. So my last football season was 2015, graduated Robert Morris 2016, got my first job and it, it was brutal. I mean, it was, it was the worst job I ever had. It was brutal. And I mean, I guess that's how a first job should be. Um, but immediately realized, you know, just sitting at the desk just was not for me at all. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And it's funny. I hated it so much that I actually almost used my fifth year to play D2 ball to try and get my master's and Derek's actually the one that triggered that. So uh, I was living in Pittsburgh at the time. Derek is in Orlando. He came out to visit. Um, he came to see my daughter. Um, so not to mention I have a wife and two kids. So at the time he came to men, he came to um, see my daughter and, you know, we we're just talking, you know, what are you up to? He's like, I just got a scholarship to D2 school, um, Lindenwood university. I'm going to use my fifth year. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why didn't I think of that? I'm like, you know, cause we were on similar page where we both played a decent amount. And I was like, you know, if you got a scholarship, I, I, you know, I think I could get one too. So I started applying to schools and I actually ended up getting a full scholarship to Adams state university. I was going to go get my master's, but it was a two year program and it just, it just kind of didn't work out. So I, I pulled back and, and didn't do it. But, um, I, yeah, I was doing everything to, to get out of the desktop. Well, I'll tell you, Sean, uh, it's, it's great to hear your story. Great to hear you're a family man as well. 
And uh, we wish you the best of luck with that. We uh, hope to have you back on the show often. Uh, we're going to do our best to promote receiver school, quarterback school, <laughs> everything else that comes online. You, you get a new coach, new position, you let us know. We'll promote it. Thanks again for, for joining us, buddy. Awesome. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. All right. Sean Gavin of the Receiver School. Check it out on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the like. All right. So why don't we go ahead and uh, we throw up that slide right now for all of our YouTube viewers. We can give them uh, it's at Receiver School for Twitter. And I think it's at Receiver School as well for Instagram. And um, the YouTube channel is Receiver School as well. But if we can get it, if we can see it, that would be great. Yeah, that's solid marketing. Keep it all the same name. Make it easy. All right, no problem. You know what's amazing about that is the the thirst for content about football. And I go back to the deep dive on the Steagles, Mark, and the fact that Greasy Neal learned the T formation uh, run effectively by watching film of the 1940 NFL championship. And it, until up to that time, there weren't film studies per se, and that he only lucked into finding out that uh, the movie tone folks who had put together the highlight film for movie theaters had the whole game filmed. And now you have all these boutique places that you can go to learn and to garner knowledge. It, it's remarkable what the thirst for football knowledge and football content is in this country. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And if you have an entrepreneurial spirit behind it and you're that guy, John, then uh, then you can create, you can I was create with your own career, essentially. I was with him till focus and follow through. And then I went, well, yeah, no okay. commitment, yeah. focus, yeah. commitment. I'm out. Right. Clearly. Very good. All right. Can we go to uh, progressive again? Our second set of progressives. Are we able to do that? Got a couple of guesses, Mark. I'm assuming they're both wrong. Oh, have you uh, have you sent them my way? No, I'm just looking on the the comments. Uh, Lenny Rose says T.O. Joe Connolly, Jerry Rice. It is not T.O. It is not Jerry Rice. I see that. This is the first four clues. I've led the league in receptions. I've four plus Pro Bowls. Wouldn't be really fair for either T.O. or Jerry Rice to say four plus Pro Bowls right. when they both have probably more than 10. Certainly Jerry Rice does. It would um, be true. It would be, but it's not in the spirit of the of the plus narrative that we've established it's it's yes. four or more of you know or or maybe a few more is really the unofficial rules of the game we made up we will not break we won't we it's have the an honor rule. it's the we have an rule. honor among thieves yes indeed it's, it's like baseball's unwritten rules played for six head coaches which is seems like a lot 10 plus playoff catches in a single playoff game. So anytime you have double digit receptions in a playoff game, that's a, that's a good game by definition. 85 plus starts in his career, 500 plus receptions, never won a Super Bowl, a pro bowler for two separate teams. How about that? Now, I guess T.O., I guess Jerry Rice. Uh, I don't know if Jerry Rice was a pro bowler for Oakland or not, but I'm sure uh, T.O. was definitely a pro bowler for the Cowboys yeah. and for the Niners and probably for the Eagles, probably three different teams. But uh, it is not either T.O. or Jerry Rice, and that's why they guess that because they are the well, 49ers. I would guess. have been my guess, too. I would have gone I with – I would then have followed up with Ronaldo Nehemiah, sure. John John Taylor, sure. uh, Dwight Clark, uh, Gene Washington – 
Yeah. Uh, I just run my through uh, RC Owens. I just nice would run my way through 49 or wide receivers. Yeah. Very, very good work with all that. Outstanding. Even Debo Samuel at this point in time. Sure. Why He's not? Banged up, by the way, listen to this questionable. Brandon Ayuk also listed as questionable. They're rookie. So they're banged up. Yeah. Might be a, might be a little bit of a tease mm. for a section coming up a little bit later against Arizona, who, you know, Gave them a lot of fits last year before DeAndre Hopkins, oh, by the way. And look past the record when it comes to Arizona. I think you have to look past the record. Though, can they build on what we saw that was good, given the lack of offseason to do so, Mark? I think that's too many questions. Too many questions. And it's week one. so who It knows is anything? week one, so it wouldn't just, matter even if they had that all up in the air and right. see who gets the W. All right. Someone who doesn't just throw everything up in the air and see who gets the W is Kendall Gammon, former NFL player and uh, broadcaster for the Chiefs Radio Network, among many other, again, entrepreneurial activities. Uh, a remarkable career. Let's, uh, let's talk to Kendall, shall we? Kendall Gammon. There's the man. There's, the There's man. John drinking his coffee. We're so happy to welcome Kendall Gammon to After Further Review with Mark and John. Kendall, former NFL player, uh, also was part of the Chiefs radio network as well last year. So saw up close and personal everything going on there and has uh, a lot of things going on um, post-NFL career. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, alumni of Pittsburgh State in Kansas, who, where he's a Hall of Famer. He was the first long snapper ever selected to the Pro Bowl. And, oh, by the way, after that, every year a long snapper is selected to the Pro Bowl. So Kendall Gammon is a pioneer among all the other accolades we can throw your way. Kendall, thanks for joining us very much. Sir, uh, how are you holding up in this crazy time? Well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words. Only in America can you throw a ball between your legs and get paid for it. So it is a beautiful country. Um, yes. You know, I'm holding up. I'm doing a lot of this, you know, which is the Zoom meetings and doing uh, different things of, of this nature and just kind of dealing with it the best you can. You know, I, uh, I, I speak a lot, uh, a whole bunch, and uh, I talk heavily and focus heavily on mental health. And certainly uh, with the pandemic and what's going on, that's a, that's a hot topic these days. I wanted to ask you, uh, Ken, first of all, I do want to say I certainly hope you get a cut from every single long snapper that makes the Pro Bowl because uh, uh, I know they get some sort of bump in their contract if they're Pro Bowl. They, they should send that to you. It's the gambling clause, yes. yes. Good for you, my friend. <laughs> um, I, I do want to ask, we're, we're going to talk about last night's game, but I do want to ask you about last year because there was a great point made during the broadcast. Uh, I think all of us, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, assumed that it was sort of this fait accompli with this amazing – quarterback uh, who could play off script as well as anyone. And they look all those uh, offensive, all that offensive talent. But it, it, w it was pointed out in the broadcast last night that it didn't start out that way for the Chiefs last year. They were the defense was a problem. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did not play uh, every single snap like the Patrick Mahomes that we we saw uh, in the second half, certainly the Super Bowl. When did you believe last year that this was a team that could make its mark deep into the playoffs and perhaps win a championship? You know, what I think it's when they responded after that uh, really debil debilitating loss at, uh, at Nashville uh, uh, against uh, – 
the Titans because the Chiefs had that game all the one and they literally gave away the last uh, three minutes. And, you know, having played 15 years and, and been on the Chiefs radio network for 12, I still say that plane ride home was the quietest ride I've ever seen. Because generally, uh, yes, human beings, we get over things, but everybody to a man knew that they let that one go. So coming out the next week and how they played, and then, of course, got on that roll and, and haven't lost since, actually, uh, I think that's where I started believing. And it's a pretty interesting group as well, because you look at last year, oftentimes when you talk about uh, teams and, and their ability to win a Super Bowl, you always say, well, they just got to stay free from injury. Now, that's always a big deal. And it is. Yet the Chiefs dealt with it in, in terms of actually letting you know their QB go down for several games. They got down to their third string uh, defensive end because they had the top two go down. I mean, it was just right and left, right and left. And the one thing that uh, Big Red Andy Reid says all the time is, you know, next man up. And he means it. And they coach him that way. And they just showed some resilience last year that – that I thought was very amazing and something I hadn't seen in quite a while. Well, speaking of Andy Reid, uh, there's a resilience there that all of us saw that we hadn't seen in a while. Uh, he has, fair or not, been tagged a little bit prior to last year, clearly, of someone who is a brilliant play caller, uh, coaches up great regular season teams, and then somewhere in the playoffs gets a little tight, quote-unquote, and, and lo- loses games maybe they shouldn't lose. So with that in mind, yeah, you respond. I think you win four in a row after that Tennessee game to go 12-4, and four, but out of the gate you're down 24 nothing, and you have, you have been there. You've seen the whole, entire Andy Reid era right. at Kansas City. In the booth at the time, there had to have been some thoughts about, oh, here we go again. And sure enough, before the end of the half, the Chiefs are up 28-24. So that resilience you're talking about was exemplified by Mahomes and the team, but also by Andy Reid. Was that surprising to you guys? It actually was not. I was on the air in the booth, and I actually said, you know what, if they can score like that, that many points that quickly, then we can too. And lo and behold, it, it became the truth. And I think the one thing about Andy Reid is I think you're starting to see a dynasty possibly uh, established here. And certainly they've done a nice job signing their star players, getting um, Brett Beach, the GM, and the head coach, Andy Reid, signed to six-year contracts. And some of the things you say I think are valid, uh, but at the end of his career, he's going to have two or three more of these, I think, and then it's going to be forgotten. And I think in general, uh, the good coaches uh, who you don't say those things about, they have franchise QBs. And I don't believe that in Philadelphia, no disrespect to those guys, but I just don't think they were the true franchise uh, uh, QBs like you see on other teams and certainly not like what uh, Belichick had there with uh, New England. So that's the way I look at it. But having been around Andy Reid since he came to Kansas City, the guy's special. I mean, he's, you know, I've played for some good coaches. I've played for Bill Cower there uh, with Pittsburgh. I've played for Ditka. I've played for Herm Edwards. I've played for Jim Moore. I've played for who else? Dick Vermeil. Uh, and you know what? Those are all great coaches. Um, but I wish I could have played for Andy because I think he's something different and something special. And that's why I think you see what's going on right here in Kansas City happening. One more question about last year. I mean, it was so um, consistent that the team would get behind, particularly you looked at those playoff games and ridiculous. 
And John Madden famously said of uh, Kenny Stabler, when things were going well, Snake just seemed like he was he wasn't really that into it. He had to have that pressure. Um, what can you uh, what can you say about that team? First of all, a two part question, Kendall. Kendall, why did they always get behind like that? And how did they flip the switch? Because it really was. If and I went back and I watched they they replayed some of those the, those playoff games in the Super Bowl. It really was remarkable for any team to have done that once, let alone numerous times. Yeah, you know, on the Super Bowl ring of, of which one I got as well here just recently. Um, as I I front a little bit with the bling, you know, they've got the scores. Uh, all, all three playoff games on the inside of the ring, and then in parentheses how much they were down. So they certainly take great pride in that. I think as a team having played 15 years in the NFL uh, and then having broadcast it, I don't think a team really switches, uh, flips the switch. I think it's more so the coaching they have and the leadership they have, uh, both from the coaching, as I said, but also the players. And when you look at uh, Patrick Mahomes and how he was wired up, and what he was saying, I mean, he he never lost belief, and and that trend that 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 propagated itself over to the other players, and uh, it was just a, a special thing. I mean, they they knew they had the talent. As far as getting down, there were some unfortunate things that happened uh, that they got down by so much, and you have to give the other teams credit, no doubt. But you know, they just believed all along that they had plenty of time to come back, and they did. And, and you know, kudos to that whole team and, and the, the leadership and, and how everybody else responded i mean it was fun to watch no doubt about it speaking of fun to watch last night's game they're down again and then 31 unanswered points to your point kendall they lock up uh kelsey they lock up jones they lock up mahomes they get you know uh edwards hilaire (laughs) you know damian williams unfortunately may be the wally pip of uh of the nfl at this point in time by opting out uh, not to make light of why he opted out, but the, I think what we see, to your point last year, there was some stuff they left on the table. Their defense didn't figure it out till late. Mahomes had some some bumpy uh, starts. He was out for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not necessarily as together as they could have been. They're, they're a team, in other words, that maybe played seven or eight out of ten last year. Right. They have room to get better. And to your point, they've locked themselves up for the future really nicely. $600 million such in the offseason. You talked about a dynasty. What did you see last night that sort of solidifies that idea about a dynastic time in Kansas City? Two words, run game. I mean, you know what else is going on there uh, with the players. You saw Sammy Watkins. He came back for less money. You're going to see the Mahomes effect that's happening already, which is do I want to go get paid a little bit more somewhere else or do I want to stay here and put some, uh, more of these on? And the answer is you want to put the ring on. That's what the players play for. They would play for free. They don't, but they would. Um, I think last night what Hilaire um, exhibited what was amazing. Uh, back to your original question or thought about the defense. They're coming into their own a little bit right now. They've got the, the keys uh, signed in, in Chris Jones, of course, the, the Shark and Frank Clark and uh, Tyron Matthew again had a great game last night. But I think you have to remember that last year 
was a new defensive coordinator and, and Steve Spagnolo. And I thought actually he, I was wrong. I thought he would get going quicker than he did last year, but he was really still trying to get to know his defense and what they could do even into the season. So um, I think he's just slowly uh, progressing and you're seeing these guys understand more and more. And I'll tell you right now, uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, first of all, what he does, the honey badger on the field is phenomenal, but um, it's nothing compared to what type of person he is off the field. You know, I visit a hospital, the, the Children's Cancer Ward at the University of Kansas, a medical center, last offseason with him and a few others. And the guy's special. He, he, he just cares about people. And that's a pretty cool thing because, you know, I do uh, a lot of the things that I do is, is speaking. And my whole mantra is give your game ball, which your game ball is basically making a positive difference in the life of someone else for no other reason than it's the right thing to do. And that's what Tyron Matthew does. And really, that's what the Chiefs organization does. I know I took a little U-turn there, but uh, you have to remember uh, when things are done the right way at the top, it filters down. And it's not just football. It's about more than football, which I think is is something to be said. And and it's pretty impressive. Uh, To that point with the Honey Badger, I saw him at the post-game press conference, and it was interesting. Uh, You hear about coaches who seem more angry with their team when they win than when they lose and all those stories. And he was really focused on the fact that he felt the defense at the end of that game kind of took their their foot off a little bit. And I thought, uh, boy, watching that, I thought the young guys on this team are are getting the message that it's it's not just – winning it's how we play and who we are I want to ask you you brought up the run game too because one of the one of the uh, big stories in the offseason was Lauren Duvernay uh, Tardif and if I pronounce that p- poorly my college French teacher is going to hate me for it um, but he opted out and for yes. the best reasons possible a medical doctor he is a hero I think in everybody's eyes mm-hmm. um, but that offensive line looked more physical last night than it has in the past. That was one of the, when you talked about the team last year, it was like, well, the offensive line isn't a terribly physical offensive line. Can you talk about what you saw from them last night? Because it seems like everyone was impressed with how they played. Well, I think you bring up a very valid point. And I think the reason you didn't think they were physical last year was because they couldn't run the ball as well. And so they're passing it. And passing is just uh, pass blocking as an offensive lineman, of which I used to be. Believe it or not, I used to weigh 310 pounds. So, you know, if it wasn't bolted down, I was eating it back then. But as an offensive lineman, uh, pass blocking is a little bit more docile and defensive as opposed to run block- blocking, which is really you're on the offensive. You can be more aggressive. And I think having the mix of it last night allowed the offensive line to get into a better rhythm and go after things. And it also puts the defensive linemen on their heels when they know they're just not rushing the passer each and every time. So I think that's going to go a long way. I'm a, right now, defensive coordinators preparing for the Chiefs right now, they don't know what to do because you, know, you can only keep a couple safeties back there um, and maybe in cover two and, and help those outside guys because you cannot – guard Tyreek Hill is just one person Sammy Watkins if he's healthy is a burner and he was the leading receiver last night then oh by the way you've got one of the best if not the best tight ends in the game also it's pick your poison the thing we didn't see last week last night which I think we may at some point is they're going to put Hilaire out there as a wide receiver at some point in time and, and, and go with an empty set and defenses are going to lose their mind because they're not going to know what to do because you're going to have all kinds of speed on the field. And the fact is, I think the one thing you got to do if you go after the Chiefs is you got to take your chances. you got to bring the house as much as possible and hope you can get there. And they did that a little bit last night and had a little bit of success. But the fact is, 
uh, Superman back there, Showtime Mahomes. He's special. Uh, he's a generational talent. I know you've heard that a lot, but it's true. And so it's going to be interesting to see uh, the rest of this season, uh, how it plays out. Speaking with Kendall Gammon, former NFL player, former uh, broadcaster for the Chiefs radio network as well. Uh, Hall of Famer from Pittsburgh State in Kansas. We'll talk about that in just a bit. I really was, I want to say this before the next question, his adjustment to the zone defense that Houston had throwing out there, which was not, which was unlike the two games they had faced him last year uh, because they didn't want to get it. They didn't want, they didn't want them to throw behind him. They didn't want right. anything to get behind him. And uh, you know, 34 points later, ah. but the adjustments that Mahomes makes, the fact that he can read a defense so proficiently and then adjust to all the tape he's seen that week is just phenomenal. I want to quickly ask you about Pittsburgh State. They're not playing. They've, they've, uh, their entire conference isn't playing this year. Uh, I know you're uh, still part of that organization out there. What's, uh, what's that like for the staff, for the athletic folks there, for the kids, uh, for you? You know, it's tough. Yeah, I still am involved with Pittsburgh State University, the gorillas. And by the way, just so you know, because I know where this is kind of originating, it's Pittsburgh without the H. Um, I'm the assistant to the president of Pittsburgh State, so I've been involved with them since I retired in 2006. It, it's tough because, you know, the coaches, we had a new coaching staff, staff. Ryan Wright had been the offensive coordinator uh, at uh, Miami, Ohio, or I'm not sure which one now, and I apologize. But anyhow, came here. So putting a new system in, you get a couple practices in the, in the spring, and then you, you close things down. And then, of course, the season is is canceled. It, it's tough, but the big thing is you feel get bad for the for, for the athletes. And not, and not just football, but all the fall athletes right now is canceled. I will say this, though. Um, you know, I think there are some developments where – you know, possibly some one double A teams may reach out and want to to, to play and, and find another game. And generally, with us being uh, fairly successful, that happens every once in a while. So uh, I won't pull the plug on on us playing a few games before the end of the year, which would be great. Uh, but either way, it, it's a difficult situation. And kudos to our president, uh, Dr. Steve Scott, and dealing with it in a, in a positive manner. And so many things going on. That, this day and age, there's just a lot to digest. Uh, before we let you go, we want you to uh, let everybody know what you're doing now. And if they want to uh, uh, contact Kendall Gam and talk about, uh, talk about the NFL, what, what are you, uh, what are you up to? I know you always have a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, I alluded to it a little bit more, but you know, before COVID came, I had about 30 plus uh, engagements set up already for this year to speak. I talk about emotional strength. I talk about my challenges on and off the field. I've developed a framework for helping others recognize and use their emotional strength uh, to really embrace change, build stronger relationships, and directly impact their own growth and success. I alluded to, to it earlier also of, you know, my mantra is uh, give your game ball, make a positive difference in the life of someone, uh, including yourself, uh, for no other reason than it's the right thing to do. And having a chance to go and speak to teams and make a difference, speak to corporations and make a difference, uh, that's what it's all about. We as human beings, we're pack animals. We want to be a part of a group and, and we want to help others. That's where we get our fulfillment is when we help others and reach out. So uh, that's my main focus and I just absolutely love it. People can follow you at Kendall Gammon. We will uh, show that if you're watching the video on the screen. Uh, at Kendall Gammon for Twitter, KendallGammon.com as well in terms of following you. And uh, on that site, you can see some videos of you speaking 
and the like, Kendall, and uh, some videos of you as well. I saw one of those where you do talk about the emotional strength right. that's needed to be a long snapper and to play 218 consecutive games in the National Football League, among the other challenges you face. Is, is there any other Twitter or website information we should throw out there? Well, I'm at Kimball Gam. I believe it's on Instagram and Facebook as well. So you can find me there. And yeah, I was proud of that. 200, 218 straight at one point. Then I came back. I broke my leg uh, actually against Houston. And uh, in the first half, didn't figure out it was broken until halftime. So played on it, but uh, which kind of proves where my mental aptitude is uh, right there. But uh, 243 games in the NFL, 15 seasons, less than 80 people will play that long in the history of man. So very proud of it. Uh, but again, took advantage of my opportunities, and I was very fortunate. I mean, the big thing is that we all need to understand and practice gratitude and realize that nobody does anything uh, on their own in this life. No doubt about it. Thank you so much for joining us. I know we are hugely grateful yes, for your presence for sure. on our show today. Uh, thank you very much. Good luck to you in the future, and we look forward to uh, you visiting our show once again, buddy. Hey, I had a great time, and I would love to come on again. Thanks, guys. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Kendall. Kendall Gammon. Great stuff right there. 218 games, John Pelkey. That's remarkable. That's crazy. That's remarkable, and yeah. he is... Uh, does talk about the mental toughness that it takes to do that. There is the gammon clause now for long snappers ever since 05. <laughs> he came into the league as a tight end. We should point out, we did say alignment. He was a tight end and he's played as a tight end in the NFL as well. Just such a knowledgeable and, uh, and good guy. And really uh, it was interesting to hear some of his insight about, uh, the ability for the Chiefs to make adjustments, which I think you and I always agree that that may be the quality in a head coach that is most necessary, that is often No doubt about it. And, of course, you come lacking. from that school of Joe Gibbs, who is probably, I would consider, one, right. two, maybe three of all time uh, best game day coaches in terms of making those adjustments. Patrick Mahomes was studying all week. All you know, last year as well with the with Houston Texans, they play man to man. They get in your face. That's how they you know. And they didn't want anything to go over the top, so they changed their defense completely. Patrick Mahomes adjusted uh, in a beautiful way. And then, of course, the point that they have Damian uh, Edwards Hilaire, their rookie, who's twenty one, just turned twenty one in April, who had one hundred and thirty five yards, I think, with a touchdown. They have a running game like that. That's that threatening. With the yeah. weapons they have and with Mahomes back there, it is going to be very, very difficult for them to, uh, you know, for teams to stop them. And if their defense, yeah, we would have thought because they've had a year under Spagnolia now, they figure that out from the top. It's it's going to be tough to stop Kansas City this year. No one would have thought uh, Edward Tiller would be there for them. Most people thought he would have been gone uh, earlier. And also, I think a lot of us felt like. Wow, that they would go defense because that was a bit of their Achilles last year. They played better towards the end of the season, but that defense was really um, that that was not an intimidating defense that was scaring anyone at all. Um, no, but to your point, the last you know four, five, six games played better, a lot better. St still got down in those in those playoff games and in the Super Bowl as well, though they still and last gave night. And last night, right, exactly. There was only seven last night. I, I really thought maybe Houston had a chance when uh, they only went up seven to nothing. I was 
you know, if you're a Houston fan, you're praying that they have a blocked field goal or an interception, anything to prevent them going up 14 to nothing. But anyway, we saw how that ended. But um, yeah, they uh, they appear to be as well uh, positioned to repeat as any team uh, could be. Now, a lot of things come into play for that week one. Um, they're a dynasty. They're a dynasty after week one. Overreacting. Of course they are. Yes, we will. And next week, if they lose, it's over. It's all over. What happened to the Chiefs? But I tell you, I tell you, there was so much potential. I think we also saw, um, uh, with the loss of Hopkins in Houston, um, they, they may take a step back. Now, it, if you look at why they, uh, why they had to get rid of him, DeAndre Hopkins, There are money issues. Bill O'Brien is also the GM. I'm not in favor of that. I think that is too difficult in the modern NFL to be a head coach and a GM. Uh, I I don't think that has a a great track record of success um, in the modern game. But there were uh, issues because they, you know, they had to pay their quarterback and they had to pay other people. Um, but I think we what we might have seen last night was that Kansas City may not only not skip a beat, but they may have added things to make them more dangerous. And we've seen an even uh, better maturity of their young quarterback because boy, that underneath stuff that they were giving him, he sure as hell knew where to find those guys. Yep. Um, and I think what we might be seeing and, you know, this Houston, as I said on the show the other day, Houston's a team we either write off every year or they're a sexy pick, and they generally do the same thing, which is, you know, somewhere between nine and seven, and eleven and five, and then a first round exit in the playoffs. So um, we'll we'll see if it really uh, translates. I'm writing them off this year. Are you writing them off? I'm in this the year? writing them off camp. It's, now it's hard to get rid of a Hopkins and not be, yeah, and not the, take a step back offense. Although uh, Jeff pointed this out last week, he was thinking that David Johnson might step up, and David Johnson indeed. Uh, had a great game. Did you did you draft him, Jeff, in your fantasy leagues that you're in? No, because I drafted him the year after he had a great year in Arizona and uh, was burned. So I never go back after being burned. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a woman scorned. Yeah, you are. You you hold a grudge. Okay, but but the thing is with Hopkins though, that was somebody who took two players on every play to 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 cover and to to keep an eye on, and I don't and and I don't think they have that right now. They don't, and and I think what they're going to suffer from is that they have Brandon Cooks and Kenny Stills, and I know Kenny Stills isn't young, but they're both sort of they're they're more slot receivers than they are deep threats. I know Brandon Cooks can be a deep threat, but I just feel like. They're going to have to find uh, a deep threat if they want to get back to where they were. Yeah, and I mean, you just don't take away the guy who may be the best receiver in the game and replace it uh, that quickly. And a guy that, you know, much like the tight ends on teams, Mark, Hopkins was kind of a bailout guy for, for Houston because he was so good. And uh, do they have, does Sean Watson have somebody now that can be his security blanket uh, as a as a receiver, and I don't know that he does. The thing is, is that struggle. they thought that you get rid of Hopkins and maybe you open up your offense a bit because you're not relying on one guy. Well, when you look at the box score from last night, they relied on Fuller. 
as yeah. their wide receiver. He, he had 50, 60 more yards than any other receiver. So a couple maybe, of drop balls too. a couple of drop balls by guys, particularly early. And we said we all said we thought we might see that, but we did. We saw a little of that. Yeah. So I don't know what we'll, we'll see. I'm I'm writing them off. I, I don't think it's a very strong division. I think we all agree on that. I think Brian. the Colts are going to sneak in to get that. That's my feeling. Nobody's and, buying the Titans two years. And in we'll a row. see. Nah, not really. I don't right. think anyone's buying um, Tannehill, yeah. frankly. Hey, so you know, well, I will say this though: uh, Houston's defense looked really good after that first possession, where they looked really bad, and that game would have been closer had there not been an interception thrown in their end of the uh, the field. So, their defense could could keep them in a lot of games, they, and they probably will. I just think they're just going to be offensively too. But you're right, Mark. It's a bad division. Nine seven could win it because the Philip Rivers I, experiment I think it will. The yeah, Philip Rivers I, experiment could fall apart. The Titans nobody believes in. You know, if the three of us and eight other guys played both ways against the Jags, we could keep it within two touchdowns. Well, so. you know, John, it's it's really emanates from the city itself, I think, that <laughs> lack of success. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're, you're right, Jeff. It was, I think, 360 yards, 370 yards that Houston gave up against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and you take away that first drive where they, b- besides the touchdown that was called back, they marched down the field very, very easily. Uh, you're right. They have, you know, th- there's a there's a story there that was buried underneath the 34 points. There's no doubt about it. All right, we've got another. They they also they also, if I'm not mistaken, had them to fourth down on fourth on third down. There was a pass interference call in the red zone where they would have ended up with a field goal instead of a touchdown. Also in that uh, same same game, maybe that same drive off the interception. We have uh, we have Wes Welker, another guest. Not not right. So we are going to uh, go back to progressive trivia, give you some more clues. All right. First set of clues. I've led the league in receptions, four plus pro bowls, played for six head coaches, 10 plus playoff catches in a single game. That's a very good game. 85 plus starts, 500 plus receptions, never won a Super Bowl, a pro bowler for two separate teams. That's noteworthy. Next four clues coming up. 2014 all rookie team. It's a good clue. 30-plus touchdowns, played with Tyrod Taylor and Damian Williams. All right. Here we go. Went to an SEC school with a very recent national championship. Uh, Darn it. I wasn't paying attention, and I I just gave you two guesses, and I think they're both wrong, frankly. All right. Uh, Well, let's see what what John Pelkey's guesses are. Because I... uh, Sammy Watkins is incorrect. Yeah, and Des so Des Bryant. Bryant. yeah, because they the national championship. I know Pitts never won a national championship, and if there is a benevolent God, they never will. <laughs> All right, very nice. Now uh, you mentioned the video. Now yeah. our producer Jerry Isinger, who t- I, I've been instructed that I say to your point way too much. Yeah, and I listened to those two interviews to, uh, with Sean and with Kendall, and I said it half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. If I said it twenty. Uh, and I almost said it to you right now, but um, you mentioned that Jerry Isinger, the producer of that video, basically did all the work. And that's he really did. He did all the work, all the graphics, all these spe- special effects. John and I on some lazy Saturday, you know, while we're recovering from uh, who, who knows what kind of decadent behavior the night before, uh, you know, sort of recorded some voice memos and none of this was on Jerry. None of this is untrue. And he was able to make that. And par for the course, he said, should we set it up like it's okay, it's election 2020. Who's your who's your candidate? And I said, I don't know. You kind of give 
it might give away the, the humor early on. And of course he's right, because the only reason people are going to watch that is because it's the season we're in. Right. And it's an election season. And we're we're sort of mocking the whole political ad uh, culture. Yep. And uh, I'm just admitting publicly that I'm wrong yet again when it comes to that. But we encourage you to to watch it. It's it's pretty fun. And I know, John, uh, you you reluctantly agreed yep. to record your voiceovers. As always, I said, we can do this commercial as long as I don't have to appear on it other than photographs of me. Yeah, and so old, that, photo, old, yeah, photograph, old photographs of me. <laughs> Not good photographs either. I look really, really poor in a couple of those photos. I noticed that the photos of you were, were better. I assume <laughs> that you probably worked hand in hand because I, I, I abrogated all responsibility towards it as, as I shall continuing forward. Right. Which is, which is, you know, par for the course. It's, it's right. my part in this whole thing. So I think I'm going to do 1968 for our deep dive, which is a week from Wednesday. Nice. The year in sports, 1968. And, uh, back when we kept our politics out of sports, Mark. Not quite. No, not no, quite. Not, we were really, yeah, it's a big, one. not quite. We, it was front and center, actually. Front, center, on the podium, the whole bit in 1968. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, uh, the year itself surrounding it, which was probably among the most significant years in the history of our country. I don't think you disagree with that, John Pelkey. I don't, not at all. The U.S. historian you are. Yep. Uh, I think uh, this year is one of them, clearly. So it was 1941, like you said, and some of the other war years, 1929. But there's, there's, there's a lot that happened in 1968, and it's very, very interesting because I think you can track the conversation we had with Jeff earlier, if you could call it a conversation and not a screaming match. Uh, Those are fun, though, man. I that's agree. Like, that's I think I they're highly entertaining. Take hot takes, but I'll have a screaming match with Jeff at any point. He knows I love him, and we're going to have a screaming match. No, it, it's great. That's much better than the hot take. I will not be Skip Bayless. I won't do it. I won't take hot takes. I feel I feel like when we have one of those arguments, I skip the rest of the day. I feel like it really brings out some yeah. joy and emotion in me. That's the thing. We people go, I don't want to talk about politics. You should argue about it for 15 minutes every day and then get on with your yes. life. It's like taking your vitamins. Yes. You know, working it, out. it is. It's something you need to even if it's a bone you throw 15 minutes, you know, right, right. vitamin P. Get your vitamin P. <laughs> there it is. Run a mile and a half, 15 oh, minutes, call it a day. Better than taking a hot take where I have to say, Deshaun Watson, it's, he showed last night. They should cut him, get rid of him. Should have traded well, him instead of Hopkins, whatever bull And our audience, our audience of uh, ones, <laughs> I don't know. It's less than a dozen, so I'm not sure how to describe them. But they know we're coming from this honestly. It's not Skip Bayless pretending to hate LeBron James after LeBron James has a triple-double, scores 35 points, and says, what a pathetic performance. You know, honor- that's, just, that's just BS. Arguing what we're that, doing is real. Arguing that Dax is better than Patrick Mahomes. Oh, he's much better than Patrick. I take him. It's if you so took blatant. him over Patrick Mahomes, then you're too stupid to continue in anything. Existence, for God's sake! I know, I know. We we go there. We go to actual existence. Oh my God! Though elimination, which isn't so old, and he's in trouble now for some stupid he said about um, uh, Dax talking about his depression after his brother was killed. But I don't even want to get into it because it's you know whatever that he just it's 
It's clickbait. Did he poo-poo the depression? He said while he... Pull your socks up, Dak. While he... No, actually, while he did say that he understood depression was a bad thing, blah, 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 all of the uh, cliches apply there, that he thought it showed weakness to come out and talk about it. And so he's getting murdered over that. I don't want to get into it because, again, I believe with guys like Bayless, it's clickbait. It's just no, it and, he's, it, and he's parlayed it into a crap load millions, of money, millions so. and millions of dollars. So we can we can rail and <laughs> against him and say to our 12 listeners that right. he's a phony. Eh, yeah. Neat. Good job. So Joe Connolly, one of our loyal listeners and followers from back in the day, um, says the political situation, they can compare you because of your Vince Gully, John, to Ross Perot. And he compares me to Mike Dukakis. I, I'm assuming because of my vertical challenges that I have. Could be. Uh, I probably would not look good in a tank helmet. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can have a tendency to be somewhat conciliatory, though that really is covering up a a, 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 a darker, darker, a, a put pit bull like aggressiveness. And my pit bull is not aggressive in any way. But you know, so I, I mean, I can I can see that. And the Scully and Perot. All right. Here's that what works. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna buy the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, all right. I'm gonna buy Cincinnati Bengals for for five million dollars. All right. When I get them up to hundred million dollars, and then I get to sell them, and I get seventy five percent of that. That's it. I get seventy five percent of that. I'm gonna bring back Boomer Sison, even though he's seventy nine years old, has thirteen great grandchildren. All right. Gonna do that. Gonna bring back. Gonna play for my team. That's what I'm gonna do. Right, Ross Perot, vote for me. Nice, nice no, job. I had to do that. R.I.P. By the way, I think not that. Not that long ago. During during the broadcast of this show, I believe he, he may have passed. <laughs> he may have passed hearing that uh that initial nation because that, yes. that that that'd do that. it. Right. All right. So it's time for our locks and shocks. We've done this for uh, forever. And when I say forever, it's uh in the the intermittent shows that John and I have done since 06. We did a show in 06 that lasted a month. We did a show in 07 that lasted, I think, six weeks. We did a show in 2012 that lasted three months, and uh, we did a show in 2015 that actually lasted, I think, about 16 months. Yeah, almost two years. Almost yeah. two years. A year and a quarter. That's almost two years. And our locks and shocks are we pick a lock that we think is going to be a no-brainer, put everything you own, put your house, your kids, futures. <laughs> Please, no wagering. Um, <laughs> on our on our locks right. and our, right. and our shots. Betting your are, house on week one NFL picks at any point in time, Mark, is a good idea. Right. I mean, but again, I don't know what's a good idea and what's not a good idea. I've I've always said that to uh my my um you know very very special friend Trudy that uh He buys her own her clothing, all of her clothing. She she just knows what the right thing to do is in any particular yeah. moment. And that is so foreign to me. Well, that she's concept. dating you, though. So, you know. <laughs> True. Good call. You know what I'm saying? All right. So, Johnny, what 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 are your locks? What, well, what's the game that is your lock this it's year? It's funny because I was looking at game these, one. I was looking at these locks, and in this one, I actually, uh, I, I actually, in both of mine, I was agreeing with a national radio host, and I didn't want to do that, so I decided. Colin Howard. It, yeah, I was because he was initially my lock and my shock, and I actually backed off of my shock, and I have a different one than his. Though I'll talk about what his was because I also think it's a pretty good call. But I'm staying with this lock, and that is, it's my lock that uh, the Los Angeles Rams are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. 
uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I just don't think it's a really great matchup for Dallas. I think with uh, Sean McVay's uh, creativity on offense and for there being a disappointing team last year, Mark, we talked about this. They're actually playing better towards the end of the season, and they were getting better quarterback play at the end of the season. And I just think it's tough under a new head coach who's kind of a conservative guy um, without the benefit of preseason games and as much offseason practice as you would otherwise have. I think it's a tough tough sell that that team can go on the road to this new stadium in Los Angeles, which holy mother of God, did you see that thing? It is insane. And and I was fortunate enough to see it going up as well as I was out there. uh, I think at Christmas time, right before everything hit, um, but there's not going to be any fans, correct? I don't think California is allowing any fans. You know, or- I don't think there's going to be any fans. I just think the excitement of having that stadium for for, for teams that have played. For the team itself? Yeah, for the team that's played uh, under less than perfect circumstances up to this point in time. I also think they have something to prove, that they're one of the best teams in, in the West because they were the defending NFC champions coming into last year. And now, you know, with the disappointing performance through a great deal of the season. Everybody's talking about San Francisco and Seattle, and they're not really as in the discussion as they should be. Uh, And again, Dallas never fails to disappoint me by disappointing everybody else. Uh, They just, uh, I I don't think they are, they could win that division, but that's a division that could be won by a nine win team or a 10 win team. I like the Los Angeles Rams in a lock. I think they're three point dogs in that game. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. You talk about the disappointment that the Rams were last year, and they were. They didn't even make the playoffs. They did win nine games, finished pretty strong, but uh, they didn't make the playoffs. They were in the Super Bowl the pr- previous year, so they were a disappointment, but so was Dallas. Dallas, I believe, had 12 wins the year before, yeah. two years and 18, and fell to eight and eight. So they were a disappointment as well, and the pattern, since Dak has been there, has been, you know, excellent, mediocre, excellent, mediocre, it's their turn to do an, have an excellent year. I think CD Lamb's going to add a lot of energy. I think McCarthy will too. Uh, I don't know. I think I pick. I think the Rams will play well this year, but I think Dallas is going to have a pretty special year. They may end up I with a better them. record. They may even end up with a better record. I just really do not like them as favorites week one on the road at Los Angeles. I just don't like that. You know me, uh, questionable road favorites, Mark. It's always questionable road favorites for me. I like that. I do like that. Uh, my lock, and this is a, uh, I'm picking a questionable road favorite. I'm picking the Seattle Seahawks over the Atlanta Falcons, and they're in Atlanta. That's and they're a- favored by two and a half. I just think Seattle, Seattle's going to be another team that a lot, it, it depends on who you talk to. And I think there is a legitimate argument to say that Seattle has too many holes on their offensive and defensive line, even though they're sort of loaded everywhere else um, to make a difference. But I disagree with that. I think I think the addition, you know, it, having Russell Wilson and then Jamal Adams feels like Joe Montana and Ronnie Lott. You've got those two guys there. Things work. Things seem to work out. Yeah. And I just think. I think they're going to have a, a pretty good year, and I think it's going to start on Sunday. That's a that, that's a bold pick. I looked at that. I just I, I just wonder. Uh, Matt Ryan's still a good quarterback. I, I think that you know on any given week he could have a he could get a hot hand. But uh, bold pick, bold pick. But you you are consistent with your love for Seattle. There's no doubt about it. I'm also consistent with my uh, 
skepticism with the 49ers in terms of the line. And I think I was pretty on track last year, even though they finished the season 13 and three. I do agree with Joe Connolly, who predicts Arizona not only to cover, but to win outright. This is my shock. The, yeah. the Niners are favored by seven. Yes, they're at home, but how does that even matter when there's no fans? Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, I know Arizona has to travel the 600 miles. I think there is a little matter. I I do think there is a little matter, though, West Coast to East Coast teams. I still think that is an issue. But with Arizona, San Francisco, that's not a thing. That's not an issue. Right. I agree. It's a thing. And and that that I I thought about that, too. They have to travel. But again, it's the game. It's game one. They could they could have been in Atlanta for a week right now, for all we know. Um, The problem with the Niners and the and the Cardinals is that the Cardinals gave them All kinds of fits last year. Now, the 49ers won both games, but they were tight. They came down to the last second, both of those games, and that was before DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Plus, on top of that, the 49ers, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, are both questionable. Mm -hmm. And those are two major weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Their center is questionable as well. I'm a little concerned. They're a little banged up. D. Ford had some issues during the, uh, you know, The time period before the regular season started since there wasn't an actual preseason, quote unquote. Right. And um, I just think I just think it's going to be really tough for the Niners to win that game. And I think even if it's three points, I mean, they're seven points is way too much. And I think if if Kyler Murray takes that step forward that you saw Lamar Jackson take and even, you know, even Mahomes were guys whose efficiency got better. Um, because we know what he can do with his legs and his off script stuff is great. If that improves for them, they could be a, a very improved team. You and I both talked about the fact that even that, even though that is such a difficult de- decision, Arizona sneaking into the playoffs in this season particularly wouldn't be an enormous surprise for us. At least it wouldn't be an enormous surprise for me. I, I think they're a fun team and they're going to be a fun team to watch. We'll see what Cliff Kingsbury can do. He's an offensive mind and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, but I, I, I picked that. You said you already had your shock and I called it even before I had any of your reasoning because I, I you know, I know how this works with you. I know I know you how do. it works. And you do NFC champion, Super Bowl loser. Could there be a hangover? Certainly could be. Certainly yeah. could see that. So, um, yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, my shock, uh, the, the one that I had been thinking about that Colin Cowherd went with was and it's it's not a big shock, but the, the Raiders are favored over Carolina um, in Carolina. And I looked at that and, you know, because I, the I Raiders, know, are, the Raiders are just such a, what are you, what are you going to get? Where, where, where are they really? Um, so that worries me. But then I, I did throw in Mark with that, the equation that we always talk about, which is the West coast teams going East sure. early in the season, not having had pre preseason games. Sure. But I decided that I could not just parrot Colin Cowherd. Yeah. I couldn't. Po- so my shock is I do believe in Fitz magic. And I do believe that the Miami Dolphins are going to upset straight up. They're six and a half point dogs. I think they upset New England. I think New England is going to right the ship a bit. I think that they may very well win that division. But I do think, I actually think that uh, the Jets and the Dolphins may win this week just to throw the AFC East into just some sort of weird overreaction place. And then I think things will probably work out as we think they will, which is Buffalo and New England fighting for the, the division championship uh, with maybe Miami. Maybe they've taken a step, uh, a, a step forward enough. Uh, maybe Tua gets in later in the season. I don't know. But I think for this first game, I think it could be to see. 
I would not be shocked if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes up and throws for 375 yards and four touchdowns and they beat and they beat New England that Cam gets a little off schedule. He's still not quite enough reps with uh, with the first string offense, given the lack of preseason. So there it is. I'm just I'm saying it right now. Uh, and the Dolphins are lucky they're playing New England now. In, yeah, in they prefer to have in Miami. To December. They prefer to have him in Miami. They would, but then I would then then I think you would have to make Miami the favorite. I think they seen. may be the favorite if, if that's the case. But it's yeah. nice that they're not going to have to go to New England in December. Yeah, and uh, that's that's good. It's for the a Dolphins. better Miami team, I, I no think, doubt. in many ways, and it's a New England team without Tom Brady. Yeah. So the fact that it's six and a half surprises me a bit. Interesting. All right, so that's your shock: Dolphins over Patriots. My shock is uh, Cardinals over the Forty ers my lock is Seattle over Atlanta. Your lock is Rams uh, the Rams over the Cowboys. Lenny, who is one of our most ardent uh, listeners, supporters of our show, his shock is Atlanta winning outright over Seattle. Well, there is the there is the home field advantage there, Mark, because unlike California, where no one is allowed to be in the stands, the governor of Georgia will be marching people into the stadium at gunpoint. Uh, that may be the largest opening day crowd in the history of Atlanta because uh, they're just going to be any sport be, in Atlanta. Yeah, not just the Falcons. Right. Exactly. Any sport. Then in the Atlanta. opening of the Olympics in Atlanta. It may yeah. be a bigger crowd. It'll as be a bigger crowd them, than that. As okay. he marches them in, rips off their masks and turns on the fans because, you know, hoax. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, Joe talks about Dallas winning but not covering. And uh, his shock is uh, is Arizona as well. Okay. So let's go back to progressive trivia. Let's give the answer. Let's give all the clues. It's not Julio Jones, Jeff, which was Jeff's guess. Is that not a bad guess? It is a good guess. Thought about Julio Jones today. Maybe not as many coaches, I think, might be the Julio Jones one. And and I thought about Julio Jones in terms of a progressive, just mm-hmm. not, you know, not just reflecting on Julio Jones, which – Certainly, I'd be tempted to do in any particular. Time. I covered him when he uh, when he played at the uh, Under Armour. Um, oh wow! American game. That's and fun. The skills competition uh, over at uh, uh, the place we used to work, the uh, Wide World Sports over there, Disney. Uh, where he once had a career. Where yes, and he was he. I think he made his. They were making their college choices there, and he was down to uh, Alabama, and I believe Florida, and someone else, and chose Alabama clearly. But I remember seeing him in high school, and he was one of those guys, even amongst. High school All-Americans, you went, okay, all right, this is a different level here. You know, like Kendall Gammon said about Drew Locke in the show, uh, after the show we talked about him, he said he knew Drew since he was a basketball player in his early teens, and he knew he was special. But you knew that about Julio Jones. But he's not the answer to our progressive trivia. He is not. I've led the league in receptions, four-plus Pro Bowls, played for six head coaches, 10-plus playoff catches in a single game. We move on to the next four clues, 85-plus starts, 500-plus receptions, never won a Super Bowl, Pro Bowler for two separate teams. 2014, all-rookie team, 30-plus touchdowns, played with Tyrod Taylor, Damian Williams, went to an SEC school with a very recent national championship. That's LSU. Got to be LSU. He is Jarvis Landry. Mm -hmm. Jarvis Landry has had, I believe, five consecutive Pro Bowls. Mm Mm-hmm with both Miami and Cleveland. And he had one playoff game with Miami, which they lost, but he had 11 catches. He, um, you know, 30 plus touchdowns. That's not, you know, he hasn't had a long career, 500 plus catches. 
Anyway, Jarvis Landry catches. that is, that that really is a guy no one thinks about ever. Right. That well, really threw me. I, that's why I would have thought of uh, his name might have popped up in my mind because I was thinking maybe LSU. But the uh, the 11 catches in a playoff game, I honestly didn't realize that he. That I can't remember. The, the I didn't remember that 16 playoff game with Miami. I don't. I, nope, I, I mean, as far as I can remember, Miami may have had one playoff game when they won 11 games with the Wildcat. And uh, the last time they had a playoff game was the Super Bowl against you guys. I mean, that's all I remember. <laughs> Just credit credit where credit's due. Lenny did guess that after the second four clues. Ah, all right. Oh, he did. I see it. I see it. Look at that. Wow. Well, we didn't give it away, though, so we didn't. It's all good. He guessed that 22 minutes ago. I I didn't see it, darn it. Oh, boy. You know what? I was so enamored with the Vince Scully, Ross Perot, Michael Dukakis thing. I missed it. Jarvis Landry. Congratulations, Lenny. See, I thought I had it again. And here we go. Now I'm getting mad. See? The progressive trivia. It's a lose-lose for you Lenny gets nothing. He gets no... A credit. You're well, mad because it was the second set of clues. Yeah. yeah I'm angry because I can't remember Jarvis Landry playing in a playoff game, let alone catching 11 passes. Jarvis uh, Landry. Wow. I man. That must have been after the third set of clues, Jeff. No, you think after the second? Uh, 18. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was after the third, but it I is think it 22 was, minutes uh, ago, so I don't know. It was after the second. I remember seeing it come up. Yeah, uh, Lenny's saying after the SEC clue. So, when did the SEC clue pop? That up? was the last clue. Of oh, okay, the, so you feel a little better. I do. I feel it'll be it'll be a better it'll be a better afternoon for Mark. He feels a little. I better. feel I feel a little bit better. All right, that does it for us. A little bit over an hour and a half, but what the heck? Monday, now. Monday, we're just going to overreact, people. Buckle up. Yep. Monday, it's oh, we will tell you whose seasons are over, which franchises should fold. Oh, yep. Just quit. There's no ch- which Houston. players should retire. You said it, Houston. Just fold the tent. Join the yep. Big Ten. Don't play. What players are in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> we Jacksonville are- beat the Colts by 42, but they're definitely going to the Super Bowl in the East while the Tom Brady's not there anymore. Would not surprise me one bit if Jacksonville pulled off a. That's by the way. Before we go, I just want to say I'm as interested to see Philip Rivers in Indianapolis as any other player that's moved, and that includes Tom Brady. Because if Rivers, if Rivers had gone to the Giants, and Eli had gone to San Diego, could Rivers, under a what, what was a better organization at the time, I think we all agree, would he have been able to do that? That's a pretty good Indianapolis team. I, yeah, but with I, an upgraded I just, quarterback. I just don't. I don't think uh, Philip Rivers you, is playing. You don't like the cut of his jib. Uh, Too many kids. <laughs> You've said it. You've said no. it. You can't have that many kids and be con- consistent. You, if you have that many kids, you're thinking about one thing and one thing and only, and it certainly isn't contraception. That's so, true. You're not thinking you know, about that's contraception. Not no, I, I don't mind this. I, I like him as a person. I think he's kind of funny. Yeah, I like the yeah, fact he has a million kids. I, I, I don't know. I, I, there is something about his playing that renders me tired. Yeah. I don't care. It seemed like at times. I don't it, think he's playoff trustworthy. I just don't think he's special. Seems like he forces forced things. He's a time. compiler. Could be. And 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 I think uh, talking about him as a Hall of Famer, which I bet he'll get in. I bet he'll get in. Maybe not in the first round, but I'm not sure he's a true Hall of Famer. And by the, the way, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Keep in mind: if Philip Rivers and Ryan Fitzpatrick both win the opening weekend, yeah. Between the two of them, more children will celebrate than the rest of the winning quarterbacks all put together. Because I right. believe they're both into double digits at this point. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's outstanding. 
So they better they need they need Patrick Mahomes like money if they're sending those kids to college. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, that does it for us. For Jeff Taylor, John Pelkey, I'm Mark Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank Sean Gavin of the Receiver School, Kendall Gammon as well, former NFL player and Chiefs broadcaster for their uh, radio network. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all of our listeners and followers as well. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.